That's a clown question, bro. Hi, what's up, Bunny? So I'm gonna kick some dirt. He gets on base. Just a bit outside. I'm not the type of player that's gonna be Johnny Hustle. If you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, part two of episode 84, where we're talking about the 2019 Washington Nationals. How, what, this is, you know, this is the most recent team of memory. This is where uh, the first team where we actually knew each other while they were playing. It's yeah. a, kind of a, even though it was only a, a, a year, only a little over a year ago, uh, still a little bit of nostalgia factor for the both of us here. Nostalgia for us personally, but also just for the world, because this is the most recent like team where you can really look at with a large crowd in audience. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, then the world's uh went it went went by the wayside. Yeah, so anyway, at the beginning of it was just twenty you know, just twenty twenty happened. It's so yeah, crazy. Yeah, twenty twenty or twenty twenty was just a crazy year. And then like 2021, it's just pretty normal. So well, far. I mean, it hasn't been, I mean, it hasn't been normal so far. It's, it's no, it's been it, 2020 happened and it was crazy. And now it's like way normal. It's so normal. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's 2020. As soon as the clock hit midnight on January 1st, COVID disappeared. There was no problems in the world. Everything was just completely fine. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was. There was not, uh, there was not um, an attempted coup on our nation's capital where the Washington Nationals play. No, no, that didn't happen. No, no, it was just very, very relaxing. It was just vibes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, at the beginning of the 2019 season, the Nationals weren't exactly in the best place. They went 82 and 80 in 2018 and missed the playoffs, which was far below their expectations. They had won the division the two years prior, and uh, this was not okay for them. And on top of that, Bryce Harper, their franchise player, the best player that their franchise has ever had, he left in free agency. And that was something that we all saw coming at the time. But, you know, it happened, and it left the Nationals feeling a little bit depleted. So they signed Kurt Suzuki as a free agent catcher. They signed, they traded for Jan Gomes, so they kind of stocked up on catchers for the season. They also signed Patrick Corbin as a free agent, a a big-time starting pitcher. I believe it was a $146 million deal. And they also traded for Tanner Rainey, a, uh, a relief pitcher. And lastly, they signed Anibal Sanchez, a starter, and Brian Dozier, a second baseman. So they kind of they made a lot of moves, all things considered, even though they lost their superstar. And before the season even started, uh, Bryce Harper got national fans excited for what was about to happen. There's going to be down years. There's going to be big years. There's going to be years that are just okay. And I mean, for a team, for an organization, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go in. We're going to try to do everything we can to win and play hard and play well. And, you know, that's what it's all about. That's what I want to do. You know, we want to bring a title back to D.C. I want to be on Broad Street on a freaking boat or whatever (laughs) thing, bus, whatever it is, and, you know, have a trophy over my head and do that. So... Let's bring a title back to D.C. Let's do it. Even though it's never actually been there, let's let's go on ahead. Anyway, on April 2nd, Bryce Harper made his much-anticipated return to Washington, D.C. as a member of the Philadelphia Phillies. And here comes Bryce Harper.
right so Harper digs in the Segura ground ball has been scored a hit. That's a good scoring if you're an offensive player. I don't think that one's going to hold up. Here's Harper facing Max Scherzer for the first time. Fans may be booing but many of them are standing. I think this is you know they, they've looked forward to even this matchup between Scherzer and Harper. Scherzer's kind of said the same thing. He and a lot of his other teammates said we're kind of just ready to get the game underway and move on. Swing and miss. Got him with a changeup. Well, the Nats have never won a Nat, uh, World Championship since coming back to D.C., but they're celebrating as if they won something. Baseball in April. How about that? Yeah. Um, so Bryce Harper, not exactly welcome back, uh, warmly, but the Phillies later won the game and Bryce eventually had the last laugh. In the air to right center field. How about this for a homecoming that is crushed into the second deck for Bryce Harper. And he gives those Phillies fans a chance to jump up and down one more time. This ball is K-I-L-T kill Thomas. My goodness. Hellickson tries to sneak this 89 mile an hour fastball by Bryce Harper. It ain't happening. My goodness. You'll see a lot of balls go up there, Tom. Well, for Harper, it's his third home run of the season. The Phils lead it eight to two. Talk about embracing the moment. Goodness. So Bryce Harper crushes one there against his former team. And Phillies won that night, but the Nationals actually took the next two games and won the series. So uh, now we're the we're talking about the Nationals kind of hitching on the uh, struggle bus. Uh, the Nationals hovered around 500 for most of April. And as the month went on, they fell below. Uh, they finished the month with a 12-16 and 16 record and they were fourth in the National League East and three and a half game behind the division leaders. And on May 9th, uh, the Nationals signed free agent Gerardo Parra, and two days later, he started paying dividends for his new ball club. And Parra, high in the air, deep right center. See you later! His first hit as a national is a grand slam. That was awesome. So Gerardo Parra immediately with a go-ahead grand slam. Uh, Making a uh, making an impact immediately for the Nationals, but unfortunately, the Nationals went seven and fifteen in their first twenty-two games in the month of May. And on May twenty-third, the Nationals lost six to four to the New York Mets, and this dropped their record to the this dropped their record on the season to nineteen and thirty-one. They were ten and a half games back in the division already, and six games out of a playoff spot. And the headline 
on NBC Sports Washington read, if the national season isn't over, it's close. And the most most astonishingly bad part of the national season was their bullpen. They had a 7.02 ERA and a 5.39 XFIP, which were both worst in Major League Baseball. So now it was time for the Nationals to turn it around. And on May 24th, the Nationals were down 9-8 to to the Miami Marlins in the bottom of the eighth inning. After Adam Eaton and Anthony Rendon both walked against Tehran Guerrero, Juan Soto and Matt Adams were in positions for big hits. Soto, loud sound, deep left center. See you later. It's 11 to 9. Juan Soto, ladies and gentlemen, how about this football game? These guys can hit it. Two to Matt, and there goes another one. See you later. And it's 12 to 9. Touch it, Matt. It's number 100 in your career. Crowd is going nuts. They're losing their mind right now at Nats Park. How do you remember all these high fives? Big city doing big things. 12 to 9. Well, Donna Mattingly has one guy in there who throws it all over the place, brings in a guy who could throw strikes, and they both leave the yard. So the Nationals go on to win that game 12 to 10. And they were ready to start climbing back after the momentum sway from that game. And between May 24th and June 4th, the Nationals won seven of nine. And on June 5th, Trey Turner stepped up to the plate in the ninth, trying to make it eight out of 10. Dozier holding Trey Turner, deep left field, high in the air, coming down. See you later. The Nats sweep the series and walk off the Sox six to four. Wait, is this a highlight? Is this from March 31st, or did that really just happen, what we just showed you, and then he does it? The answer is yes. So Trey Turner with his second walk-off home run of the year. He had another one earlier. And the Nationals were all of a sudden back in the playoff picture, just five games back of the wild card, but they still had the third-worst record in the National League. And on June 9th, the Nationals were in San Diego. As they were tied 1-1 to in the eighth inning, they look to provide a lead and get some insurance. Howie Kendrick, left field. See you later. Off the facing of the scoreboard out there. And he's done it again. Left it sitting right out over the plate, two to one, and a huge knock by Howie Kendrick. How good is this guy? I mean, anything they ask him to do. <laughs> Well, that quieted down the crowd, and now Turner hits one deep to center. See you later. Well, we asked the question at the beginning of the inning, who's going to step up? Howie Kendrick, Trey Turner just did. Adam Eaton puts a charge into one. Out to deep center. See you three in a row. Back to back to back, four to one. Three balls absolutely crushed, and Rendon is next. Now they can drive. 
It's Dance Party USA in the Nats dugout. Rendon, deep to right. See you four in a row. Four home runs in a row. All solo shots turn a one-to-one -one game into a five-to-one game. As soon as that went out, I looked out the dugout and they were going berserk. There's the on-base streak. He's digging it, we're digging it. What in the world is going on right now? Four home runs in a row. You can watch. So the Nationals, four home runs in a row by Howie Kendrick, Trey Turner, Adam Eaton, and Anthony Rendon. By the way, kind of perfect how each of those home runs in, a, in order went from left field to left center to right center to right. Yeah, pretty, very, uh, very, very, very symmetrical by yeah. the, uh, by the yeah. Nationals. So the Nationals ace this year and pretty much every year in recent times has been Max Serger, and he had one of his all-time moments in this season. And actually the MLB Instagram just uh, promoted this moment like yesterday. I don't know if you saw, but yeah. uh, they talked about this. So on June 18th, the Nationals ace Max Serger was practicing bunting when he got hit in the face in the eye, in fact. Despite this, he started the game the next night anyway. And this is how it went. One day after Max Scherzer broke his nose during BP, he got to the ballpark this afternoon and took BP. I talked with Kevin Long about it. He told me, did you expect anything different from Max? He only practiced one bunt and then told Long, I'm not bunting today, then swung away for the rest of batting practice. Cold third strike, he got him with the slider. Bang, fastball in there, strikeout number two. Long set, the kick and pitch. Swing and a miss, 97 elevated fastball. Kingery, see you later. Here's the one-two. Strike three called, outside corner with a cutter that came back to the edge. Swing and a miss, the grunt. The strikeout, two in the inning. Swing and a miss on the changeup. Swing and a miss, two down. And he gets the pop up. Anthony Rendon. 11 times in a row, Max has pitched at least six innings. <laughs> that is beautiful. The 3-2 from Max. Swing and a miss. 98 on a fastball up and in, and down goes Miller. He struck him out on a foul tip. Number nine. Slider to strike him out. Ten on the night. 88th time with ten strikeouts. We are seeing unbelievable things at the ballpark tonight. Legend.
the whole nose thing, it, it looks a lot worse than it actually is. I, I, I felt zero pain tonight. It, for me, the, the thing I actually had to get used to was when I was warming up, the, uh, the swelling underneath my eye was kind of jiggling around. And uh, once I got kind of used to that in the warm-ups, uh, by the time I actually went out there for the uh, game, I got used to it, and I felt good. I felt normal. So I was just, for me, going out there pitching my game. And so for me, uh, I've been very good at locked in with my mechanics and, and pitching with all my pitches that it was just going out there and executing. So Max Scherzer with a black eye goes out and throws seven shutout innings against that Phillies lineup, which is pretty remarkable. And this would be one of Scherzer's best outings of the year, despite the circumstances. And particularly in the month of June, he was unreal. Throughout June, Scherzer went 6-0 and with a one-flat ERA. He led the majors that month in wins, innings pitched with 45, ERA, FIP with a 159, left on base percentage with a 97.2% rating, and F4 with 2.3. He also led the National League in Ks per nine with 13.6, uh, just proving to his legacy as an absolute psychopath and one of the best pitchers in the league. So now the Nationals are continuing their success midsummer success. Uh, the Nationals went on to sweep the Phillies in that series and finish the month of June with a record over 500. And the Nationals won six of their last seven heading into the All-Star game and 47 and 42 uh, total in line for the first National League wildcard spot. And the Nats went 25 and 11 after May 24th. And they had the highest pitcher F4 uh, with a 6.6 F4 over that time. Uh, Anthony Rendon and Max Scherzer represented the Nationals at the All-Star Game. And Rendon, uh, in, the Nash, uh, Rendon in the National League rankings in terms of uh, the Anthony Rendon in the National League ranked 8th in F4 with a 3.2, 6th uh, in WOBA with 404, 6th uh, in Wager Runs Created Plus with 148, and 14th in exit velocity with 91.6. little savant stat for you as we're post-2015. And uh, Max Scherzer at the break uh, led the league in, led the National League in F4 with 5.7, almost doubled the next best who had 3.3. Uh, he was also first in strikeouts per nine with 12.6. He was first in FIP with a 2.02 FIP. And he was first in home runs per nine with 0.63. And uh, neither player ended up appearing in that, in that all-star game. But that's not important. The Nationals are still moving along in the second half. Uh, they won three of their first four coming out of the break. And on July 23rd, Trey Turner, their shortstop, had himself a day in Colorado. Trey Turner, career 359 against Colorado pitching. And he bangs this one deep to left center. See you later. A low tracer that refused to come down until it slammed into the red seats. His ninth career leadoff home run. And now, after the first hitter of the game, we dance. We didn't have to wait for it tonight. Here we go. Here's Trey Turner. 
in his ninth career leadoff home run in the first inning. Up the middle, off the pitcher. Perfect ricochet. Everybody's safe. And a pair of two out hits. Trey Turner, two for two. <laughs> Trey Turner, two for two tonight. And the pitch swung on, line to right. Blackman on the run, slides, can't get it by him all the way into the right field corner. Turner heading for second, makes the turn. He's on his way to third. He'll be in standing with a triple. There's Turner, who needs a double for the cycle. This one to the gap. Right center field. Trey Turner. Another cycle against the Rockies. And this one's at home. April 25th, two years ago. July 28th, this year. I'm telling you, man, there's some special things going on in the district, folks. Seems like old times all of a sudden, doesn't it? Fourth cycle in Nats history. Brad Wilkerson, Christian Guzman, and now two by Trey Turner. So Trey Turner with his second career cycle in that game uh, looked all good things for the Nationals, but despite all that, they still had bullpen problems that had to be addressed. They had a 4.97 bullpen ERA in the month of July and a 5.96 bullpen ERA throughout the season, and that was the worst in the majors. So they obviously had some work to do. So on trade deadline day, Washington received relievers Daniel Hudson, Hunter Strickland, and Rowenis Elias. On also on August 6th, uh, not a reliever, but they signed utility infielder Ostrubal Cabrera uh, for the impending hopeful playoff run that they would have. And now from August 11th to the 25th, the Nationals went on an offensive run for the ages. They went 12-2 and during this run, with one of those losses being a 15-14 to loss. And they scored at least seven runs in 11 of the 14 games, including five games with 11 runs scored. They scored 121 runs. The next best in the majors was 89 at, during that time. They hit 319. The next, next best was 297. They had a team OBP of 397. The next best was 363. They had an OPS of 972. The next best was 936. They had a WOBA of 402. The next best was 483. They also had a weighted runs created plus of 147. The next best was 140. And lastly, they had a team offensive F war of six flat. The next best was 4.7. And one of the highlights of this stretch came on August 18th against the Brewers when the Nats had a, had a historic day at the plate. Now the pitch. Swing and a belt to deep right center field. Go! Section 242, Matt Adams has done it again. A three-run home run here in the bottom of the first inning. And the Nationals on the board first here this afternoon. It's Washington three and Milwaukee nothing. Now Robles launches one to left center. See you later. Off a table. And it's 4 nothing. And that's a seven-game inning streak for the suddenly red-hot Victor Robles. And now we dance again, and this should be good. Juan Soto running to the end of the dugout as we speak to get in position. <laughs> I'll tell you what, there's your energy, Gerardo Parra today. He's a human cup of coffee in that dugout.
The kick and the pitch. Swing a high drive to deep left center field for Dozier. Back on this one, Gamble to the warning track, to the wall, and there it goes. Brian Dozier lands one of the Brewers' bullpen, and the Nationals have three more on the board. Home run number 18 for Dozier. The Nationals 9, Milwaukee nothing here in the third inning. Rendon does get it up in the air to left. It's still going. It's still going. See you later. Get one into the breeze and let it ride. It's 12-0. Anthony Rendon up to 97 RBIs. And when you're going good, you're going good. Good call, partner. Noticing the wind's blowing out. Get one up to left. Anthony did. And he said something to Manny Pena there walking across home plate. And I don't think it was friendly. The 0-1 to Soto. Here's a swing and a drive to left field deep toward the corner. Goes Camel to the warning track. He's at the wall and it's gone. This is amazing. One Soto with home run number 27. Everybody's homering. It's 13 to nothing. The Nationals go back to back for the second time. They've hit five home runs in the first three innings. And he hits one high deep to center. Back is Grisham. See you later. On his legs indeed. Adam Eaton, second homer of the series. And it's 14 to 4 on his 10th of the year. And he's making a bid for player of the week. Four hits last night. A home run today. A triple today. Matt Grace back up with the bullpen. Pitch to Soto, blasted a deep right. Way back, going, going, and gone. Goodbye. And a diving catch by Nilsson Robledo, who was warming up Matt Grace. Out of the crouch, lunging and diving to his left to catch the home run hit by Juan Soto. Bang, zoom, goes Soto. Takes over the club lead in home runs with his second home run of the day and 28th of the year. And a high drive, deep left center. See you later. It's 16 to 4 on Dozier's second of the day. And his 19th. I mean, he's throwing batting practice. Usually, when you see a guy come in a position player, he's got a little something on it. I mean, he's just throwing 70 right down the middle. And Brian Dozier didn't miss it. I don't think you dance on this one up 16 to 4, do you? I think they should have danced on it up 16 to 4. I don't know if they did, but I hope so. Anyway, the Nationals with eight home runs in that game, and that is the only National League game since 1962 where a team had eight home runs and less than or and three strikeouts or less in a game. So during this offensive stretch from August 11th to the 25th, Adam Eaton was probably the best Nationals hitter. He slashed 367, 492, 796, 1288. That OPS led the National League over that time span. He had a 515 Woba, 221 weighted runs created plus, and a 1.1 F4, which was tied for first in the National League. That guy he was tied with was Anthony Rendon, who slashed 419, 456, 694, 1194, with a 468 Woba, 171 weighted runs created plus. 
Uh, Struble Cabrera, fresh from uh, fresh from the Texas Rangers, slashed 371, 477, 686 for an 1163 OPS with a 465 Woba and 189 weighted runs created plus. Also, the 20-year-old Juan Soto slashed 296, 406, 630, 1036 with a 425 Woba and 162 weighted runs created plus. The 22-year-old center fielder Victor Robles slashed 345, 422, 564, 986 for a 411 Woba and 153 weighted runs created plus. And lastly, Trey Turner slashed 349, 403, 556, 959 with a 397 Woba and 144 weighted runs created plus. That is count them one, two, three, four, five, six, seven nationals with above 140 weighted runs created plus during those two weeks. And at the end of August, the nationals were actually in really great shape despite the, the slow start. They were four and a half games behind the Braves of their vision and seven games up uh, in the playoffs in the wild card hunt. So now the nationals are on a fight to the finish line. And on September 3rd, the Nationals were down big against the New York Mets. Uh, in the ninth inning, they tried to stage a miracle comeback against the New York Mets. That fastball hit hard into right center. Trey Turner is going to plug the gap. Victor Robles heading for third. Bob Henley sends him home. Turner makes it a 10-5 ball game. With his second hit of the night and his 45th RBI. As soon as that ball hit the cap, I just watched Victor Robles. Man. 2-1, and that ball's into center field. Trey Turner has to hold, and the Nats are making this interesting. Base hit Rendon. RBI number 112. And now it becomes a safe situation with the tying run in the on-deck circle. That's a base hit. Cabrera held by Bob Henley, and the Nets have the tying run in the batter's box now. Game on. Six now. Zimmerman, right center, well hit, and it's up against the scoreboard. Two runs will score. Held at third is Soto, and it's 10 to 8. Are you kidding me? This team refuses to quit. Kurt Suzuki, see you later. The Nets have won it. Seven runs in the bottom of the ninth. Everyone dances. Unbelievable. Are you kidding me, Kurt Suzuki? Uh, so, <clears throat> the Nationals make a uh, mount a six run comeback, winning that game 11 to 10. And the Mets' winning percentage at one point during this game was 100%, uh, I guess, rounded up. 100% uh, chance they were going to win the game. Uh, I guess 
I guess that had the reliability of a weather forecast at that point. So, but however, the Nats took a turn after that game and lost seven out of 10. And on September 14th, they were only two games ahead in the playoff picture. Uh, and all of a sudden, nothing was guaranteed. And the Nats also lost five of six to the Braves in September, uh, pretty much putting the division out of reach. And if they were going to make it, it was going to be the wild card. Uh, after going into St. Louis and losing two out of three, they were only one and a half games up with 11 games left to play. And the Nats proceeded to step up to the challenge, winning 10 of their last 11, finding themselves with a chance to clinch on September 24th. Kemp has a count of 2-0 and for the Cubs. This is unbelievable theater, by the way. I've never seen anything like this. Somebody's watching that other game on their phone. That's a strike. It's one and one. And Kemp just looked at a strike. Two and one to him. And strike two in Pittsburgh. <laughs> He's got a lot. One one to Franco. He lofts one out to the left center gap. Victor Robles runs it down. The magic number is one. And it could go to zero in moments. And the Nationals do their part on September 24th. And the Chicago Cubs also lost, uh, which gave the Nats a spot to host the National League wildcard game. And the Nationals finished the season 93 and 69. Uh, they ended up going 74 and 38 after May 24th, tied for the best record in baseball through that time period with a, with a team they eventually would have to face. Little uh, teaser. Yeah. So now we're going to look at the district of competitors on this team. Anthony Rendon, probably the main one. He slashed 319, 412, 598 for a 1010 OPS this season. He had 34 home runs, 126 RBI. He had 154 weighted runs created plus. Good for 7F4, which was seventh in the majors. And that got him third in the MVP voting. Also, Juan Soto in his age 20 season, 282, 401. 548-949, 34 home runs, 110 RBI, 142 weighted runs created plus, and 4.8 F4. It is the only season, age 20 or younger, in the National League since 1930 with a 400 OBP or higher. And this got him ninth in the MVP vote. Also, Steven Strasburg, we didn't, get, we didn't mention him too much, but we will do that later on. He went 18 and six with a 332 ERA, 135 ERA plus, with 10.81 strikeouts per nine. This got him 15th in the MVP vote and fifth in the Cy Young vote. Also, Max Serger, 11 and seven with a 292 ERA, a 154 ERA plus, 12.69 strikeouts per nine. This got him 22nd in the MVP vote and third in the Cy Young vote. 
Patrick Corbin, the the other pitcher that they signed over the offseason. 14 and 7 with a 325 ERA, 138 ERA plus, 10.6 Ks per nine. That got him 10th in the Cy Young vote. And Serger, Strasburg, and Corbin are the only pair of three teammates in baseball history with 10 strikeouts per nine and a 135 ERA plus or higher in a qualifying season. Also, the fourth member of that rotation, Anibal Sanchez. Went 11 and 8 with a 385 ERA. That was good for a 117 ERA plus. Now, Victor Robles uh, slash 255, 326, 419, 745 with 28 stolen bases. That got him sixth in the rookie of the year voting for that year. The 2019 Nationals are one of just seven teams in baseball history with to have two players in their age 22 season or younger produce at least four B War. That was, of course, with Soto and Robles. Dave Martinez, the manager, finished fifth in the manager of the year vote. Also, Howie Kendrick, in just 370 plate appearances, was 344, 395, 572, 966. Also led the majors in expected batting average with a 336. Estrubal Cabrera, after coming over, in just 146 plate appearances, he slashed 323, 404, 565, for a 969 OPS. Lastly, the Nationals had the best starting pitcher F4 in the majors with 21.4. So now they're in the National League wildcard game against the Brewers. And hours before this game started, we recorded the first episode of the then show to be named later. And on that broadcast, I had a take where I said that Juan Soto, the Juan Soto era Nationals were going to be everything that the Bryce Harper era nationals were not. That was of course a, a group of teams that never made it past the national league division series. They had four different chances in Harper's tenure. They never got past it. And all of them were in brutal defeats. And uh, Chris, do you want to tell the story of that whole day of recording our first broadcast? Yeah. So um, this was, uh, <laughs> this was, uh, you know, I think a that week we talked about like how I wasn't really doing anything in, in CUSJ programs and like, all right, we should, I, I, I saw that you were on like fan graphs a lot. <laughs> Cause I sat in front of you in class and when yeah. I was bored, I would just pull up fan graphs. I saw that not, you know, I wasn't like that out there, but I, I, I knew it, you know, I was a big baseball fan. You were a big baseball fan. And I was like, yeah, let's try for like October just talking about the MLB postseason and, you know, see if it, see if that goes anywhere. And, uh, you know, we thought of different like schedules and I was think like at one point I was thinking like Fridays at five, but that didn't really work out. And it was like, all right, Tuesdays, Tuesdays at three. And that ended up being, uh, the, our first episode ended up being, um, Tuesday at three, but, um, in, in terms of instructions for how to use the radio studio <laughs> that had happened like two or three weeks prior. And I kind of forgot everything about it. So I didn't know that we needed to go to the union to request a key to get into the studio. So I was like, so I was texting um, the two guys that the two guys that uh, were presidents of the radio club, uh, Eric Bellier and uh, Christian Ginsey, I believe they're Genesee. Genesee. 
Christian Janisi. Yeah. And Janisi was like, he, <laughs> you could tell over, like, over text, eventually he was like, I, dude, I, I really can't talk to you. I'm in a lab right now. I can't be talking to you about radio. Just talk to Eric. Eric had not responded yet. And uh, Eric had just, had just like woken up from a nap. I thought and, he was at uh, his internship. Yeah. From, uh, yeah. Right from his, right from his internship. And like, we, we didn't know how to get into the studio. So we're like, all right, we're going to go, we'll go into my room. Let's record like a little thing on my phone just to start. Uh, and <laughs> 10 and uh, 10 seconds, 10 seconds into that uh, recording starting. Um, we, I, we get a text from Eric and we know how to use the studio and, and all that. We eventually get into the studio. Luckily, the show after us at, at four uh, didn't start until like 4.30. So we got like 45 minutes of quality, quality baseball radio. Um, that will never see the light of day. That, yeah, probably. I, I mean, yeah, it, it's not recorded for sure. I don't know if it ever if it ever went out into the air it probably didn't we probably forget you probably forget to hit record because that yeah. did happen once there was a time where you played music for the first 10 minutes of one of our shows yeah and we got all our <laughs> all of our friends to be like hey we're uh we're gonna be on air and it was just it was just bad music playing for the first <laughs> 10 minutes of the show i don't um, know if you still have that original recording of what we did in your room but it was literally 10 seconds of like okay we did some sort of intro and then you're like oh wait i just got a text hold on yeah, I have it. Uh, there, there's a swear in it. So oh, I can't play okay. It. But um, but yeah, and then uh, yeah, we talked about the upcoming postseason, which was this postseason, and we both correct, we both predicted that the that the Nationals were going to win this game, um, and then uh, we'll we'll get into kind of what our predictions of the series were like before before we present each series. Yeah. So. Max Scherzer struggled early uh, in the game. He gave up two runs on the first two batters of the game after a quick two-run home run by Yasmani Grandal. Eric Thames also led off the second with a home run, so it was quickly 3-0 Milwaukee in a do-or-die game. In the bottom of the third, Trey Turner came up, looking to begin chipping away for the Nats. 3-0 Milwaukee third inning. The 2-2 pitch to Turner is launched to left center field. This one is well hit. It's way back there. It may go, and it is gone. Into the Brewers' bullpen. On the right side corner, the Nationals are on the board. It's Trey Turner's first career postseason homer. You saw Wilter trying to get him out with some sliders away, guys. Turner can absolutely crush fastballs. He went with 98 right here. Turner got the bat head of the ball. Get Washington on the board and get this crowd back in the game. So Trey Turner makes it a three to one game. Uh, and it was still three one when Max Serger departed in the fifth. And from there, it was up to Steven Strasburg to build a bridge into the later innings. Here's uncharted territory for Steven Strasburg on in relief. For the first time in his career in the regular season or postseason, how do you feel about the idea of relief as that bat is shattered and a double play? A one-two. Got him with the change. Double play ball helps. Strikeout to end it. 
on the call third. Does he come curveball right here, Ron? I think that's best pitch. That, that's the one he's been using this inning. Back-to-back -back strikeouts to end the top half of the seventh. Did he go? Yes, he did. Says Corey Blazer down at third. Braun, who's grounded at third, line hard to first against Scherzer. Single to left on the first pitch. Strasburg threw the sixth inning, then erased. On the ground to third. Do it in the eighth. So three scoreless innings for Steven Strasburg. No runs. A two-out double for the Brewers and a man left. And now the Nats, who trailed the entire way, really have their work cut out. As we go to the bottom of the eighth, they'll face Josh Hader. So playoff Strauss gets the Nationals to the eighth inning, but it was still an uphill battle because they were down two and facing Josh Hader, as you heard there. That is one of the best relievers in the league. After the Nats loaded the bases with two outs, after Michael A. Taylor was hit by a pitch, Ryan Zimmerman singled on a broken bat, and Anthony Rendon walked, it was up to Juan Soto. Bases loaded, one ball, one strike. Hater the set, the kick, here it comes. Swing and a line drive, base hit right field. Taylor scores for third. Stevenson around third. The ball missed in right field. Rounding third, coming home is Rendon. He will score, but now caught in a run down is Soto. He will be tagged out by Moustakis, but that's the third out. Three runs, score on the play. A base hit to drive in two runs. An error on the right fielder Grisham allows the go-ahead run to score. And the Nationals are in front. It's Washington four, Milwaukee three. I still have the images in my head of like going crazy when that happened in the in the building that you and I were in because we were in the same room, obviously watching that. And yeah, I, re I remember everyone like um, I, there were there were a couple people along with you going going pretty wild. I think yeah, I think Demko Zach Demko was uh was pretty happy about it because he yeah. was he was doing that postseason bracket thing um, where he wanted to be perfect and the Nationals were his pick. So yeah, he was definitely excited about that. But yeah, and that was also, the first game we ever watched together, like in person. Yeah, that was that's true. And what I what I should add is um. It's cool as we watch like these highlights that are kind of closer to now and you can see like it's much more exciting to watch the latest highlights because players are more apt to kind of express themselves rather than like yeah. a, a 1990s team. It's, it's a lot different. Yeah. So the Nationals take a four to three lead on that hit by Soto and later in the ninth recently acquired Daniel Hudson was on to finish it. Top of the ninth inning. Standing room only. Sellout crowd, 42,993. And now it's Daniel Hudson to try and close this out if he can. Flames with all kind of power. Goes down, swinging for out number one. Orlando Arcia. A bloop single in the second. Has struck out and grounded out since. And he pops up. Behind the plate. Suzuki. Two down. 
Hudson sets. Rendon to the right of the cutout at third. Here's the pitch. Swing and a fly ball. Center field. Robles going back. Still back there. He makes the catch. He makes the catch. He makes the catch. And a wild card game winning. Curly W is in the books. And the Washington Nationals are L.A. bound. About 20 minutes ago, the Washington Nationals were down 3-1 with two outs in the eighth. And now they've won the wild card game over the Milwaukee Brewers. So the Nationals win a postseason series for the first time in their franchise's history. Uh, at this point, this was pretty much the biggest thing that their franchise had ever done. And it was only uphill from there. So now they go in. So now they go into the National League Division Series against the 106 win Dodgers. They were not expected to do anything in this series, and it showed in Game One. Uh, the Nationals were dominated on both sides of the ball, while Patrick Corbin struggled early, and the bullpen didn't do him any favors. The offense was overmatched at the hands of Walker Bueller. Bueller went six innings pitched, one hit, zero runs, three walks, and eight strikeouts. The Dodgers ended up winning that game six to nothing. So immediately. The Nationals were down early in the series. They needed to get back. And in game two, the Nationals got going early as they loaded the bases in the first inning. And this gave Howie Kendrick an early opportunity to come through. Well hit, base hit into left. Turner will score. And the bases remain loaded as the Nats break out on top. It's the Nationals one and the Dodgers nothing. We talked about staying in the. So Nationals go up early one nothing on the Kendrick single, and they would get more scoring opportunities in the second when they put a man at scoring position for Adam Eaton. Base hit left center field. Robles has great speed. He will score easily. And Adam Eaton with his first hit of this postseason, and it couldn't have come at a better time. It's 2-0 Nats. Two out. RBI single for Adam Eaton. is. So Adam Eaton makes it 2-0, and the Nationals wouldn't stop there, as the next batter was Anthony Rendon. And Rendon launches to left center field. That is off the wall. Eaton is around third. He will score. Rendon, a run-scoring double. And it's 3-0 Nationals. On a booming double off the wall for Tony Tubags. So Anthony Rendon makes it a 3-0 game. And later in the ninth, the Nationals were up 4-2. But Daniel Hudson was struggling in the ninth. He loaded the bases on a double and two walks. The tying run was on second with two outs, and the batter was Corey Seager. Bottom of the ninth. Nationals four, Dodgers two, and the bases are loaded. Dodgers lead from every base as Seager waits and strikes out. Daniel Hudson got him with the bases loaded, and the series is tied. Stayed heater away, heater away, heater away. Finally went to that slider right there. Ended up being a great call by him and Kurt Suzuki. So the Nationals even up the series. They bring it to 1-1, and the series goes back to our nation's capital. 
So now in game three, the Nationals were coming back home and Juan Soto was looking to get the crowd going early when he came up with a man on. That ball is hammered to center. Back toward that wall and out of here. Juan Soto with a two-run first-inning homer. You want to find a way to help yourself relax. Relax your pitcher a little bit and get these fans in the game. There's fixing to be a dance party in that Washington dugout. So Juan Soto makes it a 2-0 game. And in the sixth, it was a 2-1 game when Dave Martinez decided to bring Patrick Corbin in as a reliever on two days rest. And that's kind of where the wheels fell off. After four Dodger runs had already scored in the inning, Corbin was taken out for Wander Suero, who was ordered to face Justin Turner. In the left, and this ball well hit. Back toward that wall and gone. The Dodgers have opened up a can here in the sixth. So the Dodgers went on to win that game 10 to four after the bullpen imploded for the Nationals, which was kind of a theme for them that year. So now in game four, the Nationals were playing for their life once again. They needed to come from behind as Justin Turner hit a solo home run in the first. And the Nats went on to tie the game in the third on an Anthony Rendon sack fly. And in the fifth, Rendon came up again, this time with a quick Trey Turner at second. In the air to left center field, hit pretty well. Bellinger goes back, leaping, it's gone! Ryan Zimmerman, a three-run shot! A legendary net with a legendary moment. So Ryan Zimmerman blows it open, and the Nats would score again in the sixth, and the bullpen combination of Sean Doolittle and Daniel Hudson locked it down. The Nationals won 6-1, to one, and they were going into a do-or-die Game 5 in Dodger Stadium, trying to pull off a massive upset. But the Dodgers got off to a quick 3-0 lead on home runs from Max Muncy and Kike Hernandez. From that point forward, Steven Strasburg was able to shut it down, but the offense still couldn't figure out Walker Buehler. In the top of the seventh inning, it was a three-to-one game as Soto, uh, after Soto hit a single in the sixth, and Walker Buehler was done. His replacement was Clayton Kershaw. After retiring Adam Eaton, Kershaw needed six outs to end the national season, and it would be a tough start as he had to face the two hardest hitters in the Nationals lineup. And he faces three, four, and five. Anthony Rendon takes one and oh. And here comes that curveball. It took a while to see the first curveball. He comes out on his fourth pitch of the night tonight and throws it. Kershaw came on with two out in the seventh and struck out Adam Eaton with runners at first and second. Rendon in the air to left. Taylor goes back to the wall and it's gone. Anthony Rendon, a leadoff homer in the eighth. 
and it is a one run game. Over and don't get something down right here. I'm guessing that slider of his. And just gets it out to. Yeah, you can see it right there. I mean, it's a ball down, but he drops that bat head on it. You can say him and Soda are trying to do everything they can to keep this team in the game. Rendon is two out of four with a double and a homer and has scored both runs. The dance party in the Washington dugout. They're down one. And here's Juan Soto. In the air to deep right center field. And there she goes. We are tied. Wow, just like that. Two pitches, two solo shots. Another slider right here. And Soto was all over this pitch. So all of a sudden, now the game is tied after the back-to-back -back home runs. And after a scoreless relief appearance from Patrick Corbin and from Daniel Hudson, the game goes into extras, a do-or-die game. And Dodgers manager Dave Roberts made a bold decision to keep reliever Joe Kelly in for a second inning of work after an Adam Eaton leadoff walk, a Rendon double, and a Soto intentional walk. The bases were loaded with no one out for Howie Kendrick, a former Dodger. This is deep to center field. Bellinger's back. It's a grand slam. Howie Kendrick with a 10th inning grand slam to break it open. Wow. It is seven to three. The former Dodger breaking hearts in Los Angeles. So the Nationals go up seven to three. On the grand slam by Howie Kendrick, um, we were not watching this game in the same room, but when that went up, I was like, oh, that's a run. That's a sack fly. Didn't think it was gone, but uh, it was. So later in the bottom of the 10th, Sean Doolittle is on to finish the upset. Out as Justin Turner stands in. Swinging a fly ball, shallow center, racing on his Taylor, closing on it, dives, and he caught it! A diving catch ends the series! What a play by Michael Taylor! A diving catch, and the Nationals, for the first time in their history, will play in the National League Championship Series. So the Washington Nationals pull off an upset, beating the Los Angeles Dodgers three games to two in their own home in one of the most dramatic games you will ever see. So now throughout the series, Anthony Rendon slashed 412, 455, 765 for a 1219 OPS. He had one home run, five RBI, and three walks. Juan Soto slashed 278, 409, 611, 1020 with two home runs, four RBI, and three walks. Ryan Zimmerman with a 286, 286, 571, 857 with a home run and three RBIs. Also on the mound, Max Serger pitched eight innings, had a 113 ERA in 10 Ks. Steven Strasburg with 12 innings pitched, three ERA and 17 strikeouts. And lastly, Daniel Hudson pitched two and a third in two and two thirds innings pitch, did not allow a run, got a win and a save, and the Nationals were on to the National League Championship Series. So now we're in the National League, 
championship series due to, to determine who will represent the National League in the World Series. So in game one, in the second inning, the Nats looked to put themselves on the board for the series with uh, Howie Kendrick and Jan Gomes due up in the inning. With a homer and five knocked in, four on that slam. Swings and traps going to right center field. This is in the gap, and no one can catch it. It's down into the wall. Kendrick around first on his way to second, and he'll pull in with a double as Fowler plays the carom off the wall. And I've said it, Howie Kendrick is as good as there is in the game, going opposite field, mm -hmm. shooting the gap. See Howie Kendrick blowing on his hands, yeah. trying to stay warm. And a leadoff double. He's still there with two outs, and that ball's ripped into the gap left center field. Jan Gomes is going to send this. This one on one hop off the wall. Kendrick will score. And it is Jan Gomes who delivers the first run of the NLCS. It's an RBI double. one nothing Washington in the second inning. So the Nationals take a one nothing lead on the heels of hits from Howie Kendrick and Jan Gomes. And while the offense had been provided, uh, it was Anibal Sanchez who was taking over from the mound. 35-year-old right-hander, the native of Maracay, Venezuela, Anibal Sanchez. Pitch to Fowler, check swing. Did he go? They'll appeal. And yes, says Phil Cuzzy, the umpire at third. Fowler out swinging on the check swing, third strike. In the postseason, in the air, center field. Sounded like he got the barrel on it, but on this cold night, that one's going to go to die for out number one. Remember after that ball was hit by Ozuna that stayed in the ballpark? Kissing the baseball is out of ball Sanchez. <laughs> and then Louis Tiong spent Carpenter with a shift on, puts a butt down, barehanded Rendon, throw it a first in time. Nicely done. Rendon Reddick came charging in from the shortstop direction and makes the barehanded play to throw him out on the punt. Sanchez with an 0-2, swing and a miss, struck him out. That one foul tip back into the mid. And a swing and a miss. Down he goes. Nine retired to start the game for Sanchez. And he walked in. The Cardinals have their first base runner. Mm. And there goes Wong. And Gomes from his knees. That's late and on into the outfield grass. And he'll end up at third base. Ozuna at the plate. Rendon will give it a look. That's going to stay playable. And Anibal Sanchez leaves a runner at third. One and two to Matt Carpenter. And he got him. Foul tip into the middle. Gomes, a strikeout. Carpenter saying that hit the ground. Ooh, I think it hit the ground. You're right, it did hit the ground. Two out, nobody on. And the pitch to Tommy Edmonds, kind of the year to shallow left center. Hannibal Sanchez with a quick one, two, three inning. Here's another payoff. And a swing and a miss. Hannibal Sanchez goes up the ladder for the strikeout. Tying run at third base. Here's the 0-1. Wong into center field. Michael A. Taylor will make the catch. And Hannibal Sanchez, six no-hit innings. 2-1. Swinging a fly ball off the end of the bat, shallow left. Soto playing deep, racing over toward the line. Turner going out. It'll be Turner's ball in fair territory, makes the catch. Here's an 0-2, and Carpenter rolls over one right to first base. Anibal Sanchez has tossed seven hitless shutout innings here at Bush Stadium. See, Tennant, here's a payoff. And a swing. And oh! What a catch! Ryan Zimmerman! 
What a play by Zimmerman leaving his feet. A headlong diving backhanded catch. What a play by Ryan Zimmerman. Now DeYoung, little jam shot. Routine. DeYoung is out on the first pitch. Four outs away. Pinch hitter. Jose Martinez coming in. Three and two, two outs. And a swing and a line drive in the center field. That's down. Base hit. And the no-hitter is over. And now the Cardinals will bring the tying run to the plate. A line drive single and a 3-2 pitch. Elevated a little bit. Davey Martinez coming out. He'll go to Doolittle. The signal with the left hand. And Davey clapping his hands as he reaches the mound. And Anibal Sanchez hands him the baseball. Seven and two-thirds innings. He saluted Jose Martinez he as did. he left the field. He may get a standing ovation on his way out. So Anibal Sanchez absolutely deals for the Washington Nationals. Seven and two-thirds innings of no hit ball until Jose Martinez got that hit. Uh, and the Nationals got another RBI in the seventh from Howie Kendrick, and they ended up winning by the final score of two to nothing. And in game two, uh, after the game was scoreless for two innings, Michael A. Taylor uh, led off the third for the Washington Nationals. And on the first pitch, Michael A. Taylor into left field. Ozuna's going back at the track. He is at the wall, and it is gone. Michael A. Taylor ambushing the first pitch from Wainwright. And the Nationals strike first. It's a third-inning home run for Taylor. Taylor, who's playing center for Victor Robles while he's hurt, had a great NLDS rest away. And Dave Martinez sticking with him right now. He's had some huge pitch right here. He got a hanging off speed pitch, and now they're dancing. So Michael A. Taylor gives the Nationals the lead in game two. And as the game went on, the offense stayed silent thanks to uh, – Offense on both sides stayed silent thanks to Adam Wainwright and Max Scherzer. Scherzer went seven innings pitched, allowed one, only one hit, no runs allowed, two walks, and 11 strikeouts. And in the eighth, the Nationals had two runners on base, giving Adam Eaton a chance to provide some insurance. Full count, and Eaton on the ground, that is past Goldschmidt. Down into the corner, hits off the side wall. Adams will score, here comes Turner, throw comes to the plate, and Turner is in! Adam Eaton drives in a pair with a double. A two-strike double just inside the bag. And Adam Eaton delivers again. What a battle by Eaton and Wainwright. Got the ground ball just perfectly placed by Eden. So Adam Eaton provides insurance, makes it a three to nothing ball game, and the Nationals ended up winning three to one, and the insurance improved, uh, proved necessary. And in game three, the series shifted back to the nation's capital. And the Nationals got two runs in the third inning on an Eaton single and a Rendon double. And two batters later, Howie Kendrick looked to tack on to the lead for the Nationals. 
He's in a hitter's count. The 2-1. Kendrick in the air right center. That's going to get down. That's going to shoot the gap. And two runs will score. Howie Kendrick with a double. Makes it 4-0 Washington. So it's a 4-0 ball game now. Thanks to Howie Kendrick's double. And in the fifth inning... The Nats uh, got two more runs on doubles from Howie Kendrick and Ryan Zimmerman. And in the sixth inning, 22-year-old Victor Robles led off and looked to even further expand the lead. Say, um, if you go out and hustle. Robles sends one deep in the right center. That's got some carry. And it's gone! Victor Robles, an opposite field home run. The Nationals pouring it on now. It is seven to nothing. How about that eighth slot? It has delivered time and time again in this postseason. So the Nationals keep tacking on with the offense, uh, finally, and. While this was all happening, Steven Strasburg was absolutely dominating on the mound. He went seven innings pitched, allowed seven hits, uh, no run, no earned runs, no walks, and 12 strikeouts. And this was a pretty big deal because also uh, Jack Flaherty was on the other side. You know, they did not expect to get so many runs off the guy. This was supposed to be a pitcher's duel, and Steven Strasburg was doing his part for sure. And Howie Kendrick also became the only player in postseason history with three doubles and three RBI and four plate appearances or less. How about that? And the Nationals ended up winning game three, eight to one, one win away from reaching the World Series. And the Nationals had an opportunity to clinch here and they wasted absolutely no time. This video is kind of tricky, so just skip around if you can. Yep. Well, the count to Trey Turner. And there's a base hit. Right away, the Nationals put a man on. Eaton loves that first pitch. Turner at first. And Hudson deals it on the first pitch. It's a base hit into the gap. Over to cut it off Bader. No chance. Turner's going to be held at third. And in the second is Eaton. That was a fine play by Bader, but it's second and third. It's a double for Adam Eaton. Guys, Eaton loves On the first pitch, a high fly ball to center. Great wheels at third. Turner will score. And a sacrifice fly from Rendon. Soto down the line that is slicing that is fair into the corner it goes Rendon scores I beg your pardon Eaton scores and Soto into second base with an RBI double 2-0 Washington Zimmerman's had a great postseason and he turns on that one nice play at third by Edmund he goes to second out oh the ball is dropped everybody's safe just so in the advantage. Wong gets it in the air. 
And Robles gets it in the air, shallow right field. Long run out there for Martinez. The ball drops between them. And the merry-go-round continues. It is three to nothing as Soto scores. First Yellen and then that's it's three nothing. Now a base hit into left field. Jan Gomes on the first pitch. In the score is Kendrick. Right behind him, Zimmerman. Nothing. You lose his control. And that ball's down the left field line. Ozuna's over. Can't get it. This is going to score two more. On the first pitch, Trey Turner with a two RBI single. It is seven to nothing, Washington. So a seven run inning for the Washington Nationals. And it seemed just about over from there. And they were up. Seven to nothing, and in the sixth, although the crowd was already rowdy, it wasn't enough for uh, one of the clubhouse guys of the Washington Nationals. It wasn't enough for Gerardo Parra. And here comes Gerardo Parra, Mr. Baby Shark himself. Fans have been waiting for two games for him. So have we. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's great every time. <laughs> So Gerardo Parra with his uh, famous, at this point, uh, walk-up song, Baby Shark, gets the crowd into it. And that this would be really everything they needed on offense. Uh, after Patrick Corbin struck out 12 batters in five innings and Tanner Rainey and Sean Doolittle built the bridge, it was up to Daniel Hudson to send the Nationals to the Fall Classic. In the air, center field. This should do it. Robles will squeeze it. And there it is. The Washington Nationals are National League champions. There will be a World Series in D.C. So the Nationals are National League champions. Howie Kendrick won National League Championship Series MVP, slashing 333, 412, 600 for a 10-12 OPS. He had also had four doubles, four RBI, and two walks. And Anthony Rendon was also extremely good, uh, a good competitor for NLCS MVP. He hit 417 with a 1029 OPS. Uh, also had two RBI and four walks. And Max 
Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Anibal Sanchez combined for 21 and two-thirds scoreless innings. Uh, the Nationals, as a team, had a 1.25 ERA throughout the series, and the Cardinals never led at any point in this series. And now on to their biggest challenge yet. So they were in the World Series for the first time in their franchise's history against the 107-win Houston Astros. They already took down a 106-win team. Now they got to go a step further. And it was a bleak start for the Nats as Yuli Gurriel hit a two-out, two-run double in the first inning of Game 1 to put Houston on top 2-0. And in the top of the second, Nationals' first-ever draft pick, Ryan Zimmerman, looked to become the first National to ever homer in the World Series. Down in the zone. Dealt with planter fasciitis early in the year, and here's one into center. Back at the wall, and it is gone. Zimmerman tees off here in the second inning. It's a two-to-one ball game, and that was blasted. He got one down. Cole knew it as soon as he let go. The scouting reports on everybody are there for everyone to execute. So Ryan Zimmerman makes it a two-to-one ball game, and later in the top of the fourth, Juan Soto, 20 years old, playing in his first World Series game, looked to tie it. Spin that breaking ball to change the eye level of the hitters. Third youngest player, as you saw, and he hit cleanup in a World Series, and he just cleaned up. Wow! Pitch was up, the game is tied, and that's up onto the railroad track atop the wall and left. 20 years old and just bursting with power. I'm telling you, a lot of America doesn't know about this offense because they weren't on display in the first half. I can't name a single other left-handed hitter that's ever hit one onto the train tracks in Houston. Uh, the fact that he did it off Garrett Cole in the World Series is it's still like it's been a year plus and it still just blows my mind. Yeah, it it's pretty wild. And like I remember thinking uh during those playoffs, like the baseballs don't seem to travel as, as far as they did during the regular season, yeah. but uh and Soto was still able to to put one onto the train tracks. It's crazy. <laughs> So Garrett Cole was still in for the Astros in the fifth inning, and after giving up back-to-back base runners, Adam Eaton had a chance to give Washington the lead. Time off before the World Series. That's into right field. A base hit into score Suzuki, and the Nationals are on top. A walk, a single, a fly ball, and now a base hit by Adam Eaton. His fifth RBI of this postseason, and it's 3-2 Nationals here in the fifth. So the Nationals now have a lead in game one, and two batters after Eaton, it was Juan Soto who was looking to expand. Runner at first will go. That's Rendon. That's well hit into left field. Back and off the wall. One run scores. Here comes Rendon. He'll score two. And the Nationals now lead by three. Soto delivers again. This kid's unbelievable. He spit on one of these earlier in the count, but then he goes with the pitch. Backdoor slider. Doesn't try to do too much. 
in an era where home runs. So the Nationals now go up five to two after the Soto after the Soto base hit. And despite a shaky outing from the bullpen, the Nationals were able to hold on and win the game five to four. So now going into game two, the first two batters reached for the Nationals and Anthony Rendon looked to give them an early lead. Opportunity for the Nationals and that's in the left. Well hit and off the wall. It bounces away and two runs are gonna score. What a start for the Nationals. A two-run double by Rendon in a 2-0 Game 2 lead. So Anthony Rendon gets the party started early, but it would, it would be delayed a little bit because not too long later, Houston tied it in the bottom of the first on an Alex Bregman two-run home run. And after this, Justin Verlander and Steven Strasburg both settled in. So now skip to the seventh. Kurt Suzuki led off, trying to get something started against Verlander. Catcher is Martin Maldonado. After the Astros pinch hit, Kyle Tucker for Robinson Chirinos. That's always a little dicey for a manager when he knows the pitcher-catcher combination's been clicking. Here's one hammered in the left. Off the bat of Suzuki and gone. Nationals jump back on top. It's 3-2 here in the seventh. So Kurt Suzuki gives Washington a 3-2 lead. And after this, Washington continued scoring in the inning on a Kendrick single and an Ostrubel Cabrera two-run single. And later on, Ryan Zimmerman looked to tack on even more. Up and down their lineup, not just tonight. That one squirts away from Maldonado and Kendrick to third. Cabrera to second, and a hit could add two more. Breaking ball, chopped to third, tough play. Zimmerman safe, throw gets away. Two more runs cross. Nobody's at second, so Zimmerman slides in. And it's 8-2 here in the seventh inning. So Ryan Zimmerman comes through for them, even if it was on an error, and the Nationals would continue to tack on and win the game 12-3 going into D.C. So now we move on to uh, an unforgettable game. My heart. <laughs> I gave Chris this game for a very specific reason. Game three of the 2019 World Series. It's, you know, Anibal Sanchez, Zach Ranke. Um, uh, I was, I had put a bet that uh, the Astros were going to win the series. So I was looking for the Astros uh, to um, deliver and actually win a game and it was pretty much do or die for the for the Astros even though I guess they did come back from 3-0 this year but you know we didn't know about that in the future and this game was a struggle for the Washington Nationals the Astros went up two to nothing early on singles from both Josh Reddick and Michael Brantley but in the fourth in the bottom of the fourth where it was probably about two hours into the actual game here, 
uh, Victor Robles came up with a man on looking to ship away. Action for Washington in their bullpen. That is fair past third, past Bregman. Digging for third, Zimmerman. They bring him around. And in on a triple to make it two to one. Here in the fourth. Unfortunately, Bradley thinks it's going to hit the cutout right here, and it never even. So Victor Robles uh, provides some offense for the Nationals, cuts the lead in half for the uh, for Washington. Uh, the Astros scored two more and went on to win four to one. And uh, you know, I this game is special in 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 my heart because of you know how long it happened to be with the least amount of action possible. It was extremely, extremely This game, long. This is a big game for the baseball is boring crowd. Yes. I mean, there were, you know, plenty of like one out appearances, you know, maybe the three batter minimum <laughs> fixed that. There were a lot, lots of long innings, um, lots of opportunities with runners in scoring position that were not followed through upon. In fact, Astros went four for 10 with runners in scoring position, which is good. But the Nationals went 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position. So that's a lot of base runners getting on for them to actually not come through. And uh, this was the only nine inning game in postseason history to go over four hours and have five or less total runs scored. Hey, can we actually get a sec? Can we get a second? How about that? I think it deserves it. I think. Slightly alarming. I think yeah. it deserves a slightly alarming. It, we haven't gotten a slightly alarming in a while. Yeah, we don't. You know, we don't really pull out the slightly alarming <laughs> button for the uh, history episodes, but this this game is the only good reason to do so. Game three of. <laughs> game three of the. Uh, <laughs> 2019 World Series deserves a slightly alarming because it was maybe the most boring game, you know, conch, maybe the probably the most boring postseason game I'd, I'd ever observed in my life. I was in the same room as Chris watching this game, okay? It was in the fifth inning, and he just had this look on his face of, like, what am I even doing with my life right now? Like, it was a Friday night. We were in college. We couldn't have been doing anything else. We were watching that piece of garbage on our TV. It was miserable. Yeah, it was like... It ended at an midnight. Hour a, an hour it really and a half. ended at past midnight. Yeah, an hour and a half in, it was the third inning, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like yeah. 90 minutes in, it was, it was still the third inning. It was terrible. It was horrible. So uh, it was only uphill from the national, for the Nationals after that, but unfortunately it was a very narrow hill. Uh, in game four, Patrick Gorbin gave up two runs in the first on RBI singles from Bregman and Gurriel. And the scoring kept going in the fourth on a Robinson Chirinos home run. And after Juan Soto produced an RBI ground out in the sixth, Alex Bregman came up next inning trying to put the game away. It'll bring in Bregman. Here's the 0-1. High fly ball to left. This is gone for a grand slam for Bregman. And the Astros clean up and blows open game number four here in the seventh against the Nationals bullpen. It's eight to one as they try to even this World Series 2-2.
He does not. So Alex Bregman hits a grand slam there. He puts the Astros up eight to one and they would win by that score. And all of a sudden we got a tie series and the home team has actually lost every game, which is slightly alarming, but we're not going to play it. We, we, that only, the only thing that gets us slightly alarming is game three. So now we go into game five and Max Serger was started, slated to start this game, but hours before game time, it was reported that he woke up that morning in pain and he would be scratched due to neck spasms. And Joe Ross would instead get the start, which is, doesn't sound good for the Nationals, and it wasn't. Uh, Houston jumped out uh, on a pair of two-run home runs from Jordan Alvarez and Carlos Correa. So it's 4 nothing. The Nats needed to get back into it. And in the seventh, Juan Soto uh, looked to minimize uh, the lead as much as he could. Soto hits it in the air to left center. Back at the wall. It is gone for a home run. It's 4-1. So Juan Soto just continues to take Garrett Cole the opposite way in the series. Uh, but unfortunately, it wouldn't be enough for as Houston kept scoring and the Astros ended up winning 7-1. to one. So now the Nationals went back into Houston and they needed to win two. And it was, they were going to need to fight even harder than they had at any point throughout the season. And the Nats got off to a good start as Anthony Rendon had an RBI single in the first. But the Astros got two of their own on RBIs from Altuve and Bregman. As the game went on, Steven Strasburg uh, was was going well, uh, as well as Justin Verlander. But then Verlander faced Adam Eaton in the fifth. With one out. How many days away? It's uh, Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. I'll be ready. <laughs> Eaton takes a strike. That's a big out. Getting Turner out. We've seen him when he got gets on the bases. Washington usually scores. That's down the line. It is gone way out of here to tie this game at two. Adam Eaton with his second home run of this World Series. And it's a 2-2 game here in the fifth. I thought I heard a, another sound after the ball hit the bat. So Adam Eaton ties the game in the fifth, and two batters later, Juan Soto looks to put Washington on top. 34 regular season home runs for the now 21-year-old Juan Soto. That is hit in the air to right and way out of here. Wow. Soto carries his bat down to the first base coach Tim Bogar and Juan Soto has just gone deep and the Nationals take the lead 3-2 in the fifth.
So Juan Soto, at just the age of 20, goes top tank against Verlander and Garrett Cole in the series, which is just wild. The Nats have a 3-2 lead, but they need more. And in the seventh, Trey Turner looked to do just that. Skip around on this one. That's a tough play for Peacock. And safe at first, ball gets away, and the runners will advance to second and third. And now they're going to call the runner out for being inside the line and in the way of the throw. And we're going to get an argument now as Dave Martinez is furious. Sam Holbrook, and now the crowd is realizing this. Sam Holbrook has called the batter out for interfering with the throw. Let's take another look. I mean, he's right on it. And turn to watch when you go back because it looked like a pretty. This is a judgment call and it's not. It's irrelevant at that point. And they're going to stick with the call. I don't think that was the right call. I just think they're saying, you know what? Not really enough evidence. Well, after all that, it goes the Astros way. Play stand, Sam Holbrook with the call, the home plate umpire. And if the Astros come back and win this game, this is going to be a call be a play about much for discussed time. for a long, long time. Let's hope that doesn't prove to be the case. So the Nationals get absolutely robbed on that call. Just for the record, that was a seven-minute review. We condensed it as much as we could. Uh, the Umps the took that long to get the wrong call in the World Series. And, in the and later, in the seventh, two batters after that, Anthony Rendon sought his revenge. And Rendon shoots one in the left. seventh inning for the Nationals it's 5-2 as Rendon may have just rescued this inning for Washington well all that frustration just left that dugout in and ball don't lie as the Nationals go up 5-2 in the game they would get two more runs in the ninth on a Rendon double Steven Strasburg dominated this game eight and a third innings pitched five hits two runs two walks seven strikeouts this series will be going to a decisive season-ending Game 7. The Nationals won 7-2. So, now we're on to Game 7. This is it. Max Serger, Zach Greinke. In the first, the first bit of this game went scoreless, but then in the second, Yuli Gurriel looked to get things going for the Astros. Here's a 2-1. That's well hit in the left. Strike first in game seven. Fastball was strike down, and then that slider just stayed right in the middle. And it's a classic Guriel kind of keep the bat in the zone as long as possible and then lift the ball in the air. So it's immediately one nothing Astros in the second. And after this, both pitchers dealt. In fact, Zach Greinke had actually faced the minimum until the fifth. The Nats couldn't touch him. 
Then in the bottom of the fifth, the Astros had two on and two out, and Carlos Correa was up looking to cash in. Correa was 0-2, now the 2-2. That is fair! One run will score. Over the third is Alvarez safe. That's 2-0 Houston. So the Nats went into the seventh, trailing two to nothing with nine outs to go. It was looking not very good, but when we were watching this game, it was at this very point at the end of the sixth, when our friend Jamarius pointed out that the Nationals exclusively did their scoring in the later innings of the game. And he said that uh, it's not over. The Nationals are just getting started. So now in the seventh inning, after Adam Eaton grounded out to start the inning, Anthony Rendon once again looked to get something going. It two to one. There's that man for the Washington Nationals. No heartbeat or slow heartbeat. He's got a heartbeat. It's just slow. And nothing's too big for him. Went to Lamar High School, went to Rice. So Anthony Rendon makes it a one run game. And the next batter was Juan Soto, who ended up walking. And that walk to Soto knocked Grinky out of the game. And it forced Houston to bring in a reliever in Will Harris. The first batter he faced was Howie Kendrick. Struck out 11, walked one, opponents hitting 176 against him. That's down the right field line into the corner. This ball is gone for a home run. Nationals on top. Howie Kendrick has made it 3-2. Off the pole and right. So the Nationals take the Game 7 lead as Howie Kendrick knocks one off the foul pole. And after Patrick Corbin threw a scoreless seventh, Juan Soto looked to provide insurance in the eighth inning. There goes the runner, throw down by Tremaine, too late. Well, he steals this on the pitcher. High leg kick. The reason that's a good stolen base, they're not going to walk Rendon to pitch to Soto. Hit into right. Eaton will come around third base and score. Soto delivers again. And it's 4-2 Nationals here in the eighth. So Juan Soto off the off the Adam Eaton stolen bases, able to make it a 4-2 game. And Patrick Corbin once again pitched a scoreless uh seventh inning, seventh inning, or no, eighth inning, I'm sorry. And in the top of the ninth. Adam Eaton had a chance to tack on even more because the Nationals could use any bit of insurance at this point. Urquidy out of the bullpen. That is up the middle. One run scores. That's Gomes. They hold Robles. Now send him as Mariznick kicks it in center. Two more runs and it's 6-2. Adam Eaton. 
So it is now six to two. The Nationals are three outs away. And in the bottom of the ninth, to close it out, midseason acquisition, Daniel Hudson looked to finish it off and give the Nationals their first championship. Here they are, one strike away, one out away. 3 2. Washington Nationals are world champions for the first time in franchise history. And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. Remember where you are. So you remember where you are right now at 11.50 Eastern Time. Remember where you are on October 30th, 2019, when the Washington Nationals finished the fight from the depths of a forgettable 19-31 start. They have climbed to the top of baseball's highest peak, giving us all a finish to a season we will remember for the rest of our lives. For the first time in franchise history, the Washington Nationals are World Series champions. There we go. The and uh, yeah, I this was the first, I guess, bet I lost uh, in our in our friendship. I guess yeah. And, uh, only one. Only only one. And yeah, this was and this was extremely surprising to me because I was uh I was stuck on a stat that said uh. <laughs> Teams, teams to sweep in the LCS since 1985, up until the Nationals came along. Teams that swept in the LCS were one and six in the World Series. But the, all, the only one to win was the '95 Braves. The only one to win was the '95 Braves, uh, who we did. That was our fifth history episode. Was and uh, yeah, the Nationals. But the Nationals were used to overcoming odds, so I guess that kind of plays into the theme of uh of that yeah. of that team. That's right. Steven Strasburg, playoff Strauss, won World Series MVP. He went 2-0 with a 2-5-1 ERA, 14 innings pitched, 14 strikeouts. Throughout the postseason, he went 5-0 with a 1-9-8 ERA, 36.1 innings pitched, and 47 strikeouts. Pretty incredible stuff. Juan Soto, age 20 this year. 333, 438, 741, 1178 throughout the World Series with three home runs, seven RBI, and five walks. Adam Eaton uh, played really well. 320, 433, 560, 993 with two home runs, six RBI, and four walks. Anthony Rendon, he played well throughout the whole postseason. He slashed 276, 344, 586, 930 in the World Series with two home runs, eight RBIs, and three walks. Max Serger and Patrick Corbin each had a 3-6 ERA in 10 innings pitched. And the last but certainly not least, I would be remiss to mention that Fernando Rodney, the legend himself, was on this team. And throughout the postseason, he had a 3-8-6 ERA. Very, very good from him in his age yes. above his age 42 season. So the legacy of this team, it's pretty simple. They came back from 1931. Uh, they were they were almost in a forgotten season. They were pretty much being written off. I remember uh, with the Red Sox, I wanted them to consider trading Sean, trading for Sean Doolittle because uh, the Nationals were they weren't in the fight. Like they're they're probably just giving people away for free. Why not get him? Obviously, I turned out to be very wrong. They also beat the Astros at a time where they may or may not have been cheating. 
uh, you know, a, mo- a couple of weeks after this series ended was when that whole athletic article dropped. And to this point, it's not confirmed whether or not they were cheating in this postseason, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't count it out. Also, this established Juan Soto as a perennial superstar in the league, just 20 years old, dominating in the World Series after a fantastic regular season, his first full season in the big leagues, uh, setting records for 20-year-olds in history. And also, this one's not talked about as much, but I thought I'd, I'd put it there. This established Mike Rizzo as one of the best GMs in the sport. Uh, you look at what he did in this year. You lose Bryce Harper, so you take that money that you would have given him, you give it to Patrick Corbin. He goes out and gives you 10 strikeouts per nine in 200 innings. And then he you know, comes in as a reliever in the postseason. He did have that one shaky outing against the Dodgers, but other than that, he was really good. You also bring in guys like um, he brought in Jan Gomes, who had some moments. He brought in uh, Gerardo Parra. When, when the Nationals signed Gerardo Parra, that seemed like such an insignificant move, but that really, really was the glue guy that ends all glue guys in that clubhouse. I mean, you see him like every time you see one of those home run celebrations, guess who's right in the middle of it? It's Gerardo Parra. He got everyone going and he sort of helped get him out on a personal level uh, from that dumpster fire of a start. You know, Kurt Suzuki hit that home run. He got him and about Sanchez, Brian Dozier. They had big moments. Every, a lot of the small moves ended up being much bigger uh, on the field. And Mike Rizzo really had a good vision there. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I think the theme of the team is every, every road they had, they were pretty much written off, you know, at the beginning of the season, they were written off as a postseason contender after, after um, starting out 19 and 31. So right, rightfully so people thought that they were not going to be in playoff contention. Uh, You know, they were, heavy underdogs against the Dodgers who were 106 and 56. I had the Dodgers winning in four games in that series and they ended up, they ended up winning that series. You know, they, I guess they were kind of favored in the Cardinal series, but against the Astros, they were the, uh, in Vegas, they were like the, the largest underdog since 2007 in the world series. Yes. And yeah, in the world series, which I didn't understand ever. Yeah, in the World Series, I was all in on this team from the jump. Yeah, I was I was all in on the LCS stat. That's the <laughs> that's the only thing I was riding with. Um, and yeah, they were heavy underdogs heading into the World Series. I think they were. Um, it was like three to one odds against them. So yeah, they mm. overcame all of the odds every which way. Um, and you know, kind of fitting that this was the this was the path they took to get their first World Series ever. It was. And like, it was also just cool to relive the year 2019 uh, through the, through the lens of the national season. Like, obviously I graduated high school that year. I started college that year. I met a bunch of new people, had some fun experiences. Uh, And it was cool to like relate to all that. It's like, Oh, uh, on this day in June, they did this. And I was, you know, I was doing my finals for high school. And then I, when they were doing this, I was in college and I was with you and we were doing our show and that was the beginning of it. So it was cool to relive that. Uh, yeah, this team, obviously it took a little while for them to come up on the list, but I'm glad it finally happened. Yeah. And yeah, like 2019 playoffs were the most fun playoffs I've ever it was such experienced. A great, yeah, it and, was. Uh, the Nationals had, are at the forefront of mo- most of those moments. Like the Soto, the Soto base hit against the Brewers. Like that was the first night of the postseason. It set the tone for the whole thing. 
you know, the dramatic comeback against the Dodgers. And like after they beat the Dodgers, it felt like nothing could really stop them going forward. And that's how I felt in Houston. Uh, you know, even in game seven, it's like, okay, this is feasible. They've done it before. They could do it again. And they did. Yes. And uh, people, people on our floor picked up on that uh, yep. rather, rather quickly. But yeah, um, that does it for the 2019 Nationals. Uh, awesome team. A, a big, a big place in our hearts. So that leads into our favorite part of the episode uh, where we decide the fate of our next week. Uh, I have a list of 10 players here. It was once 30 players. And so um, crazy that we've actually, like, I, saw, I saw a picture of the original list of 30. I have, it's like, wow, we're almost done with this now. Like we've almost done every single one of these teams. Yeah. Luckily um, I, I, I on Google Drive you can go back to different versions of it, so nice. I can go back to the list, the original thirty. Yeah, take but, a picture of it and send it to me once we finish, because I want to see what yeah. that thing used to look like. Yep. So, um, uh, I have a list of ten teams now. I guess it's seven now. Uh, you know, we have to remember which numbers we picked and didn't pick. Uh, Daniel has a list of ten teams. We both don't know what's on each other's list. I will pick a number one through 10. I believe I'm first this week. Am I first this week? Um, I'm pretty sure I am. Yeah, I think you're first this week. And uh, yeah, I will pick a number one through 10. And Daniel will be picking a team or a uh, number one through 10 to determine the player we will be talking about next week. So what player are we going to be talking about in next week's history episode? Have I done player number six yet? Uh, yeah, that was last week. Okay. Next week, we will be talking about Joe DiMaggio. All right. Cannot wait. Uh, player number eight. Player number eight. Player number eight. So this is this is kind of an under-the-radar guy. Yes. Um, so uh, we've talked about three specific guys who excelled in the 20s, and there was a big, Jeez. big offensive boom in the uh 20s and 30s and you know we pointed out 1930 has the uh highest ops uh highest league ops of uh of the modern era so mostly the offensive guys get noticed but there is one pitcher who is extremely spectacular and i think i know who it is go ahead though so and uh this man Actually, I was surprised to find out, you know, when I was picking this list, he has the most ERA titles ever by a pitcher. Next week, we're going to be talking about Lefty Grove. That's what I thought you were talking about. Yeah, this is, he goes under the radar. It's like, you could argue he's one of the best pitchers of all time and nobody ever talks about it. Yeah, 100, over 100 baseball reference wins above replacement, um, nine ERA titles, he it's insane he won uh he won 31 games in uh i think 1931 or something like that yeah he won, a, he won mvp over uh jimmy fox because of that he's he has world series experience um and he played for the red sox too as, uh, as well as the athletics yes he but yeah it. i was uh i was excited to put him on the list um i'm glad he but did anyway anyway uh Next week, for the team we will be talking about, um, 
We're going to be talking about team number two. <laughs> team number two. We provided a lot of personal experience with the 2019 Nationals because, you know, we have a lot of memories. They're very recent, and uh, we watched a lot of their games, particularly in the postseason. I don't think there are more. there's more personal experience we could have than with team number two. I was a senior in high school. You were a senior in high school. We watched them win the World Series. It was awesome. They won 108 games in the regular season. We're talking about the 2018 Boston Red Sox. There we go. The That's right. The 2018 Red Sox, the most dominant Red Sox team. That we will ever watch. I, I wonder, I'm thinking I must have some. That's 2013. I'm trying to think <laughs> if I have any... 2018 red sox merch right here yeah um i definitely have something i don't feel like getting up but i definitely have plenty of things in this around this room um yeah this was mookie betts's mvp season it was probably the best red sox season of the 21st century so far um chris sale was dominant this year just like he always used to be before he got hurt uh Craig Kimbrell was closing games out. You had J.D. Martinez coming over. You had Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers. You had Drew Pomeranz. It was an awesome team. Yeah, it's a fan- fantastic team. One of the most dominant teams of uh, in baseball history and how the time has gone since uh, then. This so is, we're going nice. to cry next week. It'll be nice, it'll be nice to uh, relive. Yeah the 2018 Red Sox season. Uh, we go from Yankees to uh, Red Sox, and we actually, I guess, Lefty Grove is also a, a Red Sox player. So yeah, there we go. Uh, a nice transition there. So we hope you enjoyed the 2019 Nationals part of the episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the videos with us, go to our YouTube channel uh, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's called Above Replacement Radio. And if you want to follow us on social media and find out when all the episodes are dropping, follow me at Chris underscore Gianta on Twitter. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran and follow the show Instagram at above replacement radio. And we hope you enjoyed the 2019 nationals part of the episode. And we hope to see you next week where we'll be talking MLB news and on Thursday, where we'll be talking about Lefty Grove. And on Friday, where we are talking the 2018 Red Sox. See you then.